to another episode of Am I Doing This Right? The podcast. I'm Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and we are the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? Which is a life how-to podcast from the perspective of non-experts. And each week we open up a new bottle of wine and a new topic. Yes. And today we are going to be talking about voter suppression. What is voter suppression, the history of voter suppression, the types of voter suppression, and also what you can do to help eliminate it. But first, Natalie, we have got to drink some wine because this is dense. <laughs> this is heavy. This is this is a lot of information. Um, and so I'm going to just already take a sip of this right now. It is the – actually, you, you're facing the label. It's oh. a solstice something. We're drinking the solstice – sparkling wine from this is our first sparkling this is our first sparkling and it's from napa valley maryvale is the winery oh maryvale yes but they're i guess the the like offshoot is their solstice line oh i didn't even know that was a thing yeah okay so let's drink some wine so that we can get in the right mindset to talk about voter suppression Ooh, crisp bubbly dry. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So at the end of the episode, we will circle back, we'll circle back to that and let you know our thoughts on this solstice on our, sparkling on our, vine. Our first sparkling wine of the season. And I went outside to open it um, because I had a feeling it was just going to like really pop off. And it truly shot across the street and sounded like an explosion. Well, I thought we were inside of like a home and I thought Natalie had opened it inside because it was so loud and it echoed everywhere. And I thought, oh, she didn't make it outside. Like it exploded in her hand. And then she's like, no, I was outside. I was it was outside. just that loud. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like somebody's going to call the cops and be like, there's been an explosion on our street. I also like have this total, maybe it's not an irrational fear of like opening champagne bottles and opening. I don't yeah. like ex- anything I exploding. Feel like you don't like loud sounds, but I do. Every time we get a champagne bottle, you do cringe. I you sort of wince. Because I always think my eyes going to get yeah. popped out at some point. You know, if this if this particular bottle was near your face when I shot it off, it could have happened. It was a lot of I force. believe it. It was really, really loud. So normally we kind of chat and just talk about our days, but we're going to deep dive we're into voter go. suppression just because we have a lot to say. But don't worry, we're going to be holding your hand through all of this so that it's digestible, you can understand, and hopefully leave informed. Mm-hmm. You will leave informed. You will. we learned a lot even just in, in researching. So Absolutely. Here we go. So let's get into why we chose this topic. Obviously, the general election is coming up. If you guys live in, I don't know, a hole, it's on November 3rd, which is right around the corner. Oh my gosh. And personally, I remember in college, like in political science, we we talked about it for two seconds and that was it. So I just, I feel like I need to know more. Absolutely. And I actually, I don't think, you know, I am biracial. I am a black woman. And I actually wasn't as familiar with voter suppression until the kind of the recent events of Black Lives Matter and Mm -hmm. there being so much information available online and on Instagram. And I feel like people were really sharing information so well. And and it was something that I was like, wow, I I didn't even know about this. And it affects me and, and, you know, 
people of my skin color. Yeah. Well, it's our responsibility to remove these barriers of entries for minorities so that they can vote. It's so important. And it's important that we're all aware that this is happening because it's affecting such a huge portion of the population. Right. And I think another reason that we're maybe not as familiar with it is because we're in California where it doesn't happen as obviously as, as it does as in prevalently. Other, I mean, yeah. it's it's everywhere and mm-hmm. it affects so many people. But yeah, living in California, I can totally be aware of. We live in a bubble mm-hmm. and um, part of the issue is that we're not aware of the things that happen outside of that bubble or we yeah. think they don't exist because we live in California and everyone's, right. you know pretty fair here yeah. to an extent. But Natalie, can you can we get into what is voter suppression? Yes. Like wh- what even is it for anybody who has no idea? So by definition, and this is according to demandthevote.com, it is any effort either legal or illegal by ways of laws, administrative rules, and or tactics that prevents eligible voters from getting registered to vote or voting. Period. period. I think the emphasis is on legal or illegal because some of this stuff was legal. It's legal. Yeah. Not even was. Is. is, That's true. Which is crazy. That is very true. So some of the common types of voter suppression include poll closures, closing early, and polling place reductions, strict voter ID laws, failure to place polling places on Native American lands. I didn't even know that was a thing until we... Till we went into it. There, I mean, we found a list of... It's like 60... It's like... I almost, I almost just said 60, 10 things. <laughs> 61 things. Um, there Also, voter purging, ex-felon disenfranchisement laws, language discrimination, police at polling stations, gerrymandering, running out of ballots at polling sites, excessively long lines, proof of citizenship laws, disparate racial treatment at polling places. The list goes on and on and on. And we cannot say them all on this podcast, but we are going to highlight a few that we were really interested in and didn't know about or wanted to know more about or feel are important to know more in depth about. So we will do that later in the podcast. Yeah. But first, let's dive in to a little bit of the history of voter suppression. We, in our research, found out that even though black men, emphasis on men, men, could vote in as early as 1869, if you can even consider as early being- You're right. You know. Exactly. Because of the 15th Amendment- they were experiencing barriers to voting, um, like Clarence Gaskins, who we're going to talk about in a second, for decades. So even though they had the right because of the 15th Amendment, they still couldn't actually vote. Vote. Yeah. It was just there was a lot of barriers to entry. And like mm-hmm. you mentioned, Clarice, Clarence Gaskin, who I read about for the first time when researching this podcast, which mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know. No, he was his, not taught in school. Was not I've never heard of his name. Definitely not in my history books. And mm-hmm. his story, I think, is such an example of what so many black men went through to even try to vote. Mm-hmm. And we're going to tell you his story. So this is from the Brennan Center for Justice. A great resource, which by was the way. such a great resource. I mean, we spent. <laughs> 
hours. Hours. <laughs> I mean, hours, hours researching this to condense it for yeah. you guys. So I'm going to tell you the story of Clarence Gassians. So on election day in 1960, four unanswerable questions awaited Clarence Gaskin, a black voter in Georgia looking to cast his ballot for president. Upon arrival at his designated polling place, he was ushered into a room that held a jar of corn, a cucumber, a watermelon, and a bar of soap. Hmm. That's insane. Yeah. He was informed that in order to vote, he first had to answer the following questions correctly. How many kernels of corn are in the jar? How many bumps on the cucumber? How many seeds in the watermelon? How many bubbles in the bar of soap? Now, Clarence didn't bother guessing once the polling official admitted that there were no right answers and his vote was neither cast nor counted. Crazy. It's like, I actually have no words. Yeah, it's it's infuriating and these requirements to be able to vote were just preposterous. They were yeah. there. He knew there are no right answers for this. Yeah. They don't want my vote. It's a trap. And... Nobody else who's white here has had to answer any of these questions. And so he he walked out and his vote was not cast. And that's what was happening very blatant, blatantly and legally yeah. for a very long time. And an, another really common sort of test that was done was in 1940, they were doing literacy tests. This was in the South, but they were doing literacy tests, which were implemented as a way to suppress the black vote because basically it's just systemic, right? So it's like they weren't letting black people be educated and then they were giving them a literacy test just to register. Right. So because of that, only 3% of the black population in the South were registered to vote. That is, that's crazy. It's crazy, I know. But buckle up because shit like that's still kind of happening. Uh, Absolutely. So... A little bit more of the history. Obviously, things are a little bit better. We got the Voting Rights Act of 1965, the Voting Rights Act, I'm sorry, of 1965. This was signed into law by Lyndon B. Johnson, and it was aimed to overcome the legal barriers at the state and local levels that prevented African Americans from exercising their right to vote as guaranteed under the 15th Amendment. So this got rid of things like poll taxes. It got rid of those literacy tests that we were just talking about. It provided for federal oversight of voter registration in areas where less than 50% of the non-white population had already registered to vote. And please note that particular rule that was in the Voting Rights Act of 1965, that federal oversight of voter registration in areas, please pay extra attention to that part of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, the part that provided for federal oversight of voter registration in areas where less than 50% of the non-white population had not registered to vote. Keep that Just in. Just put a pin in that. Put a pin in that. Because it, while it was helpful, things did change. But but you know what the, the great thing is? Once that act was enacted, mm -hmm. guess what happened, Natalie? Guess. You just guess what happened. I'm going to guess that um, black people actually went to go vote. Yeah. Because they finally could, kind Absolutely. of. Absolutely. Voter, black voter turnout increased. 
Hmm. Mm, shocking. Wow. Really? Yeah. So let's keep in mind that let's keep in mind that it didn't make it super easy to vote still, but it did help to increase the black voter turnout. In Mississippi, for example, voter turnout among blacks increased from 6% in 1964, a year before the Voting Rights Act of 1965, to 59%. 6% to 59% oh in 1965. In a one-year difference. In a one, that is how important legislation is yes. to getting rid of the barriers that are preventing minorities from making a change in this country. Yeah. It's... I need to take a sip of this. It's, Let's take it's a sip of wine before we <laughs> punch a wall. <laughs> I punch a hole in my drywall. Actually, no, that's what white dudes do. <laughs> okay, so let's go into a more recent. Well, let's talk example. about what has recently happened. Yes, specifically to that voter rights, the federal, Voting the Rights f- Act of 1965, and the federal oversight. So, in 2013, okay, seven years ago, 2013, mm-hmm. there was a case called Shelby County v. Holder. So this is where the Supreme Court got rid of a very key provision of the Voting Rights Act of 1965, and that is called Section 5. Hmm. What is Section 5, Natalie? Section 5 was a section of the law that required jurisdictions with a history of discrimination to obtain approval before changing voting rules, which was called pre-clearance. So you're saying they got rid of that. They got rid of it. So basically, in states or certain areas of states that have a history of discrimination, generally racial discrimination, they needed approval from the federal government before they could change their voting practices and rules. But in 2013... That just basically got thrown out the window. So all those jurisdictions can basically just do whatever they want and impose any voting rules that they see fit. Right. So to go back to Clarence Gaskins, not that I don't think that was happening to that extent, but basically they could do whatever the fuck they wanted. Truly. Especially these specific areas that had a history of discrimination. The jurisdiction areas were Texas, South Carolina, Arizona, Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Virginia, Alaska, and parts of Florida, California, New York, North Carolina, South Dakota, Michigan, and New Hampshire. But for the whole, it was a lot of Southern states. Yeah. A lot of where, you know, racial tensions are still very much so alive and heated and vocal. And yeah, it, Section 5 was just thrown out so the federal government couldn't oversee what these can't. Sorry, cannot. They can't. Yeah. Yeah, because they... It's not in the past. It is now. <laughs> and let me just also say that when Section 5 was still a thing, like when when it was when they still had the federal oversight... They said, we will give you free reign if you can sh- if you can prove for 10 years that you don't have any discriminatory practices. And not one of these states could go 10 years. From 1965 wow. to 2013, not once could they go for a 10-year stretch to prove that they weren't discriminating against people. That is just so – yeah, let's take a – breath let's take a breath i'm gonna take another sip of my wine (laughs) jesus christ i know this is happening here now and now honestly physically now because the election is coming up 
And guess what? Section 5 has not been reenacted into the Voting Rights Act of 1965. So, so here we this are. This will be happening very soon. Currently. Currently. Yeah. Okay. So, whew, goodness. Let's, let's just go into how all of this has led to where we are right now. Okay. So since this change that happened in 2013, 24 states have enacted voting laws such as the requirement of a photo ID in Alabama or the use it or lose it laws in Georgia and Ohio, which strike voters from registration rolls if they did not exercise their right to vote within a certain period of time. So these are examples of voter purging, which I think you're really passionate about, right? Well, this is basically, and this actually happened to my mom, which I've found really interesting, where basically you just get unregistered. Like you've been registered your whole life and they just take you off the list. That's crazy. And that's, isn't that crazy? So this whole use it or lose it thing in Georgia and Ohio, basically if, let's say you didn't vote in the last election, they just take you off. So that when you go to vote the next time, you're mysteriously not able to. That's so wild. And I almost asked, why would they do that? Why wouldn't you want people to vote? Hmm, I wonder Mm. why you wouldn't want people to vote. Hmm. Hmm. So let's let's just, let's start to get into some of these ways beyond our first example of that's voter purging. Natalie and I went through some of these types of voter suppression and narrowed it down to three that we feel like we want to talk about on the podcast. There's so many and it was really hard to narrow these down, Mm -hmm. but we don't have time to talk about 60 plus different types of voter suppression. Um, Feel free to (laughs) research that on your own. It's infuriating. But we're going to talk about three and number one being gerrymandering, which is something I did not know really fully understand the, how it worked. And yeah. I feel like now we have a good idea of what gerrymandering is. Yes. I remember, I think I, I think this was also an election year when I was in political science in college. And I remember them talking about gerrymandering and that was the first time I had ever heard the word. Yeah. I don't think I had, I don't think I had heard the word gerrymandering before researching this podcast, yeah. which is upsetting and on me. Um, so this is what gerrymandering is. Every 10 years, every 10 years, the states redraw the boundaries of their congressional and state legislative districts after the census. Uh, ding, ding, ring, ring. This is going to be happening again soon, y'all, because we just did the 2020, the 2020 census. census. And because of that, your state's districts are going to be redrawing the boundary lines and their congressional and legislation districts are going to be made because of how we responded on the census. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so just keep that in mind that this is going to be happening again next year in 2021, I Mm -hmm. believe. So the way that districts are drawn can have a really big impact on both voters and politicians. So it can influence who wins the elections, how political power is distributed, which communities are represented, and what laws are passed. And gerrymandering is really the process of drawing the district lines to favor your party or to suppress your opponents. So you pack your opponent supporters in very few districts and then make other districts more balanced in your favor. So this allows you to lose in a very few amount of districts, but to win comfortably in a majority of districts. So is this sort of, it's sort of like the electoral college, right? 
where like it doesn't really matter the numbers as much as it's which districts. Right. I think the districts hold different weights. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to be gerrymandering, you're going to be creating- You're you're basically purposely planning. So what these politicians are doing is they're, they're literally drawing maps on your state. Yeah. And using the data that they have from the census, they're kind of putting people in little categories, and then they're going in strategically to plan on how they will win that area. Yes. So so that they'll lose in a few districts, right? Right. People who oppose them. But then they'll win in the districts that have a heavier weight in a majority Mm -hmm. of districts. All about cutting lines. It's literally, I mean, I didn't know it's a physical map they're looking at. Yes. No, it's like they are literally drawing the lines on the map. So that your, if you're a minority, your vote counts less. Less. And then racial, so yeah, like I said, racial gerrymandering is drawing district lines to suppress or, and I'll totally be nonpartisan here, or to even favor a minority, a specific, no. yeah, it's just, it's in any way that you are drawing lines to favor or to suppress, most, right. mostly suppress. So here's the thing. So it's like, we've been duped into thinking that our votes all hold the same weight and they're all very equal, but with gerrymandering, we're learning not so much. Not so much. Not so much. And this also happens with the prison system which I had never heard of until this, but it's actually a really big deal. So prison gerrymandering is when prisoners are counted on the census as being constituents of their district, despite not having the right to vote. Wow. So they're paying taxes. Without representation. Taxation without representation. Sound familiar? So prisons also, this is, you should, I've, I am shocked, but I shouldn't be shocked at this point. Prisons are disproportionately located in white conservative areas, and incarcerated people are disproportionately black and brown, meaning that due to this form of voter suppression, the white vote is literally amplified by black and brown people that are imprisoned in that area. Just just take a moment to, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sips wine. Sips wine. Okay. Oh, so should we should we go into the second type of voter suppression that we wanted to highlight yeah. on this episode? And this one's actually, and again, a lot of this is my ignorance because I had heard, I've heard a lot about voter ID laws and how they're problematic. And me, okay. Me, naive, white lady. I'm like, how? Like, how How does showing your ID suppress the I will the admit vote? I'm a brown lady, and I didn't fully understand the voter ID. It, it, so many candidates talk about it in the debates and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and I just didn't really understand fully why that was a, a huge political issue. Right, because on, you know, on paper or just like, if you were told, okay, you have to bring your ID, it's like, oh, that makes sense. You know, they, you can't forge a vote or whatever. Like, it right. kind of makes sense in a way. Right. Um, but upon really diving deep now, I obviously see why it's a huge problem. So our second voter suppression term is 
voter ID laws. 21 million plus U.S. citizens do not have government-issued photo IDs. Wow, I did not know it was that high. It's really high. And nationally, up to 25% of African-American citizens of voting age lack government-issued photo ID, compared to only 8% of white people. And you know they're going to let white people vote anyways. No, they'll do anything for (laughs) white people. If you were white and you... Honestly, you could probably show up and be like, oh, I don't have one. And they'd be like, oh, okay, whatever. You know? Because that's how the cookie crumbles as they as they say. So one of the big reasons why people don't have IDs is that government-issued IDs cost money and require travel to a government-mandated office to get. And let's say you live in a rural area without a car or a way of transportation, or if you're disabled or elderly, it's really hard to be able to even... If you really want to, it's like, this is so hard to go. Some places in Texas, I was reading, there's three and a half hours away. Yeah. Like to the, the closest place that you could go obtain an ID. So now, let's say you're 90 years old and you're an old lady or something and you don't have a vehicle. This makes it really, really hard. But also, you don't have to even be in that situation. My roommate is from New York City. She's taken the subway her entire life. She's a young woman. She is of color. She's brown. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't have a, a driver's license. Why yeah. the fuck does someone from New York yeah. need? A, she does. If not, I lived in New York, I would not have a driver's. She license. She doesn't need. She doesn't need one at all. And She's never needed one. This and then you know you might say like, okay, well, what about a passport? Well, if you let's say you are living in poverty or something. You're not traveling internationally. Why would you need a passport? You're not stuck in systemic poverty and going to France. Yeah, no. You're like, hmm, well, I can't pay my bills, but I think that I'll just take my jet to France this week. Like, this is not how it goes. So again, this is all systemic and really buried underneath everything. And here's one that just, again. Should I fill my wine glass up before you go into it? Fill it up while I discuss. So Republican lawmakers in North Dakota passed a new voter ID law saying that for your ID to count, you have to have a current residential street address on this ID. So of course that might be like, okay, you know, most IDs have a residential street address. However, over 5,000 Native Americans that live on reservations use a P.O. box because they live so remotely that they... They don't have a street address. Yes, they live... Yeah. So all of those people, ineligible to vote immediately because their voter ID laws did that on purpose. See, okay, and we'll have to do another episode on this because the way Native Americans have been treated... Don't even get me started. Yeah, it just... My... my, Anyways... I could go on. I could go on. I, I know, could go on. I know. And that's just, that's tip of the ice. I know. We can't even really get deep tip into of it the because iceberg. of our time constraints right. on a podcast. And the fact that they don't put voting places on Native American reservations. Yeah. Why do you think that is? That's on purpose, you guys. That's on purpose. <laughs> 
Jesus okay. Christ. I know, I know. Um, okay, so the third and final type of voter suppression that we're going to talk about on the podcast, if we don't have time to get into all of them, is inefficient and insufficient polling places. So there being an insufficient number of polling places in districts, maybe those districts that have been gerrymandered. Mm-hmm. What about those districts? Mm-hmm. Uh, running out of ballots at polling sites. That one sites. makes me so Oh, I'll get in. Natalie, I'll get into it. Let me me just. Polling stations that close early before people get off work. How about that? Voter intimidation, long lines at polling stations, police at polling sites, making people feel threatened. Mm -hmm. In 2019, it was stated that 1,200 polling stations in southern states, remember those states that were overseen by the federal government? Yeah, maybe those states had closed after 2013. So after the Section 5 thing, where basically they said, okay, you guys just do whatever the fuck you want. They closed a bunch of- They were of, like, okay, let's just go ahead and close 1,200 polling stations. And I'm sure those were in districts that uh, had been gerrymandered Gar- with uh, black voters. Garen fucking teed. Mm-hmm. And so in this year's primary, some people waited, I, I saw this on the news, some people waited up to like three hours in line just to vote. Like mm-hmm. you saw those pictures- uh, during the primary, I have people just like w- waiting in just ridiculous lines in yes. the heat, in the summer. I mean, it was. And in Louisville, Kentucky, actually, mm-hmm. I saw this. They had 600,000, I believe it was 600,000 people who were all supposed to vote at one polling place. That's insane. During coronavirus. Yeah, well. Excuse me? That's another barrier to entry for this inefficient, insufficient polling places is we have a new obstacle this year, which is coronavirus, which has, guess what, affected black communities more intensely than other communities because they don't have adequate health care, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's another barrier entry right there. And that a lot of people, a lot of states don't have mail-in voting. Wild. Wild. Espe- especially now especially now people have to mail it because now if you if you ask people to go to a polling place to vote during coronavirus because coronavirus isn't going to be totally gone for a very very long time no we time. got we got a year and a half two year, years of this so to to ask people to go to a polling place vote or die truly vote and vote die and die <laughs> <sighs> God. So I just feel like we just need mailing. But, you know, <sighs> this is all this is all very infuriating, but we will stay true to ourselves in the fact that we are a how-to podcast. Yes. So Natalie, what can we do? Let's talk about some things that this? we can do. So number one, if you aren't affected by voter suppression in your area, so I we can say I'm not affected I by voter suppression in my here area. In Los not. Angeles. We are not affected, and also California. This year, everybody's getting mail-in ballot. Did you know that? Didn't know that. Every single person. Um, so please, for the love of flipping God, vote. Please vote. vote. If you have access to a voting station, vote for politicians that, number one, acknowledge voter suppression is a thing, and two, have an agenda to fix voter suppression. How do you, how do you vote? Just, just handhold here. If you guys do not know how to vote, we're going to tell you how to. This is what you're going to do. You're going to register, okay? You can check your registration status at vote.org. 
and you'll also be able to find your polling station there. Now, I will say, I, because we were learning about this, I personally the other day double checked to make sure that I'm still registered, that I wasn't part of a voter purge that got removed. Oh, I should, I should triple check. Yeah. So everybody, if you are confident that you are registered to vote, just give her a little double check on vote.org. Also, if you've got friends that aren't registered, have a chat. Say, hey, let's register. Let's like, or send them a link to this podcast. Hopefully we'll convince them to vote. Literally, I will personally DM them and I will be like, hey, I heard you weren't registered. What the heck? Let me tell you a million reasons why. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So our number two way that you can help be a part of the solution is to make sure that you are counted on the census. Mm -hmm. That you can go to 2020census.gov to register. I think we're kind of in the last few phases of being able to still get counted on the census. Mm-hmm. But like we said, the reason this is important to go back to the gerrymandering and the districts being counted is going to help them know that you're in this district. Yeah. Right? And by doing so, hopefully you can help the district lines be counted to favor you and your race and Mm -hmm. your community. Mm -hmm. And I just also want to say that it's super quick and they don't ask questions regarding um, citizenship status. Yeah, I think people, I I noticed people are really scared to fill out the census. Yeah. And it's it's not scary and it, and it doesn't have to be scary and it and it does help and also the amount of people that are counted on your census you get more funding from the government so like this even goes down to funding public schools yeah. the number three way that you can help eliminate or at least be of service to voter suppression mm-hmm. getting rid of it is to volunteer at your local polling place and I chose this one because it's very I'm very she did it I did it I remember when you did this. Yes. Yeah, so I volunteered in the 2014 primary election at my local polling station. And it was just so educational for me to understand what really goes on behind the scenes at polling places. And if you live in one of these southern states where a lot of this voter suppression is going on, you can be there at the polling yeah. station. Don't let people get bullied. Yeah, not turning people away, mm-hmm. keeping your doors open, making sure, guess what? When I work there, there's tons of ballots. You're not going to run out of ballots. The running out of ballots thing. It's, it's like, not do you real. Think, oh, it doesn't on. happen. You can say you ran out of ballots, but you won't. And so I think really learning about how this whole process works. What was really interesting for me is once at the end of the night, we stayed open really, really late, probably till like nine or 10 o'clock. We had these like big Ziploc, like military grade Ziploc. So once you zipped it to the side, it like, locked and you couldn't oh, open that's it. That's like what they give people at weed dispensaries now. Oh yeah, yeah. It like locks <laughs> it's and you like can't a child lock. You can't but you can't reopen it. Yeah. It's like locked lock. So you put all the ballots in there, you zip lock it, and then you go to a place to drop them off. And there are tank military tanks and like machine guns and like all these military personnel there and you like no joke yeah you're in like a line of cars and then you drop off the ballots and hand it to some soldier and with a gun you know strapped across his chest and yeah but it was really cool to see and the whole process see the whole process and also you can be a part of the solution so to volunteer at your local polling station each state has a different requirement 
which is actually really cool in California, you can, uh, you just have to be a resident, but you can also be eligible if you're a high school student. Oh, that's cool. I thought that's awesome. Like you don't have to be of voting age. Maybe you're like 16 or 17, but you can still volunteer Uh, at your local polling station. I love that for California. Mm -hmm. So just look up your state-specific regulations. Normally when you register to vote, there is like a box if you want to volunteer as well, and that's when you would click it, and then they'll send you the information when they need you. Very interesting. And I, I do wonder also what it will look like moving forward with polling stations, if we're if we're even going to be going in person. Right. I wonder if we're going to start moving more to a, a mail-in situation, but we'll, we'll, we'll find out over the next... Uh, also, all of these steps, it's just chipping away at it because oh, this, this is, is a beast. Mm-hmm. It's not just going to go away. You have to take active steps. So that brings us to our fourth tip for what you can do, which is donating to organizations dedicated to fighting voter suppression, such as the ACLU, the Brennan Center for Justice, which we had discussed before, super good resource, and Common Cause. And we'll have the links in the show notes. Yes. The fifth tip we've got is to support the areas near you that experience voter suppression. Because like we just had mentioned, this work is not going to just fix itself overnight. It's a it this is a long battle that is deeply ingrained in our country from its inception. Mm-hmm. And in this upcoming election, look up the districts near you that experience voter suppression. Yeah. So like what I thought was really cool was during during the primary election, mm-hmm. there were these incredibly long lines, I think in Georgia, but I, I have to double check. But like Ariana Ariana Grande, she sent food trucks to yes. people waiting in lines. And, and I mean, it doesn't have to, we all do not have access to be right. able to pay for food trucks. But I do think seeing long lines, offering, if you're a local business, offering your services, mm-hmm. your, you know, food, drink, things like that, and supporting people who are on a mission to vote despite voter suppression. Yes. Because again, we're not going to get rid of it in time for this upcoming general election. So supporting these areas that that experience it. And also you can offer transportation to and from polling places yeah. in places like elderly homes mm-hmm. or even apartment buildings that are primarily black or yeah. things like that. You can just figure out a way that you can support people who want to vote. Yeah. I've seen people on Instagram too, like post on their stories. Like if you're going to the polls today, I will drive you and I'll pick you up. And also be safe, obviously, with who you're breaking up. Do not put, you know. Yeah. But even things like, you know, if you, if it's in your means and you can bring a thing, a a case of water over to the line. I kind of want to do that. Should we do that? Bring bring some water to people waiting in line. Yeah. I I just, again, are are there going to be lines? Everybody going to mail it? Not everybody is going to have access to mailing it. So if we can find some big lines, I think we should bring some water bottles. We should. Some snackies. Capri Suns. (laughs) I'd love that for us and for the people. Okay. Wow. Well, we made it to the... End of our intro, very, very baby intro to voter suppression. And I'm sure there's so much more we could talk about and so much more we didn't even cover or talk about. But hopefully you do have a better understanding of voter suppression, what it is, the long, long history behind it, how it's still prevalent today, and what you can do to help eliminate it or at least ease it on some people who are affected by it. And just Keep in mind that these laws were put in place to keep 
wealthy white men in power. Right. So this is why it so disproportionately affects women of color, men of color, minorities, elderly, disabled, all the people that they don't want to vote. These are the groups that are getting hit the hardest. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind. This is all on purpose. Right. So if you have any questions, feel free to DM us at am I doing this right pod or email us at am I doing this right pod at gmail.com. Oh God, I'm taking a deep breath. Natalie, let's circle back to this. I I mean, I've had a lot. I had to refill my glass of this wine. (laughs) This um, solstice. Maryvale solstice. This Maryvale solstice sparkling wine. We've been drinking this entire time. Yeah. This Extremely necessary. This would be great in a, a mimosa. <laughs> it would be really great. I'm also like it. slurring. I'm like, the, the, the this, mimosa. Would be, this would be great in a mimosa. <laughs> <laughs> it's my, my, oh my oh, God. It's okay. I'm just grumbling now. It's mainly because my brain is, there's so much information. It was a lot. But we all need to know this. So who is our hottie of the week that we're going to be rating <laughs> this wine against? It is. Our number one hottie, Barack Hussein Obama. Oh, God. I love him so much. I come back. I love, I, we love you. We love you. And Michelle. Can we do a one to Michelle and Barack? No, because I want Michelle to be her own episode. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. Oh, my God. Can she I? is my queen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, okay, Brock is – okay, first of all, Brock's fucking cool. Mm. That man has got swag for swag. days. So we're looking for a wine that is, you know, cool. But powerful. Powerful. Smart. S- smooth. Can form full sentences. Wow. Yeah. Remember that? That was nice. I can't even <laughs> – it's like a dream. Um, okay, so one to Barack Obama. What are we rating this solstice sparkling wine that we're drinking? Well, also, I will say Barack – is um I, like I know him. You know Barack <laughs> B. <laughs> you know B. Um, he's also like chill. You know. You know that's what I'm saying. He's super chill. He's super and I chill. think this wine's super chill. Yeah. And also, but it has that bubble to it. Yeah. Which is I feel like his spark of personality. Yes. It's easy to drink, but there is there's these little sparkles here and there. Are we losing it because we're comparing wine to Barack Obama? Most likely. Okay. Cool. Most likely. Just want to double check. Um. Yeah. So I'm gonna give it a. Eight. I think like an eight, an eight and a half. We give so many eights, Natalie. We've <laughs> got to. I feel like we do. I actually really like. So you actually typically aren't like a huge sparkling wine person. Um, I don't know. I do enjoy well, champagne. Here's the thing. I feel like every time we drink a lot of champagne, it's because it's like a holiday or something. Mm-hmm. And there's just like a lot. There's like endless. It's endless champagne. Yeah. And I feel like by the end of that, you're always like, I can't drink yeah champagne. no i like this i think so we're gonna say an yeah. eight to can, barack obama i'm gonna say an eight and a half eight and a half okay you say eight and a half i'll say eight yeah to barack obama yeah i love it i love it i think it was really good and i like that it was our first sparkling again it's the solstice sparkling wine is there a year on it or no, no there's no year oh okay so this is the time the part of this show where we decompress a little bit from yeah. this was a heavy episode we decompress and we just play a little little wrap up game and today we're doing who'd you rather <laughs> who'd you rather but you know what when i wrote this i genuinely genuinely forgot that our that hottie we of doing. the week was Barack obama 
Is one of your who'd you rathers Barack Obama? So I'll just give you my who'd you rathers. Okay. But it's different. It's Mine was Barack Obama in his prime. Prime. <sighs> when is he not in his prime? But like prime. Or Justin Trudeau in his prime. Oof. Oh, whoa. Barack. Oh, okay. I'm going Barack. I mean, you know we love Trudeau. Natalie, I feel like you just became a black woman really quick. We're like, Psh, oh, 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 hold on. Let me just toss my hair to the side. You gave me very black women, like, facial expressions. I was like, whoa. Oh, my God. Psh, uh, girl, please, let me, hold on. Barack. Don't even ask that question ever again. <laughs> That's how, I Damn. Feel about, that's how I feel about Barack. <laughs> Barack Hussein. Okay, so it's Barack. It's, it's Barack. Barack. Okay. I mean, even not in his prime? Come on. Oh, I don't no. even know when his prime is. No disrespect to Michelle. We love you. We. Uh, I would marry Michelle in a heartbeat. Me too. Love her so much. Me too. All of, the, all of them. Malia? <gasps> We can't, we can't even get started on Malia. Okay, we, we have a whole we thing. We have, we have a whole thing, thing with Malia. Thing. Okay. Oh, God, we love you so much, Malia, if you're listening. <laughs> and Sasha, we love Sasha. And Sasha. Every, okay, all, Natalie, all who's your who'd you okay. rather, Jesus so Christ? So we're going to take a huge turn here with my who'd you rather. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know. I might have to do a separate one because I don't know if you know this person. I thought, okay. Who'd you rather, mm-hmm. Mr. Bean mm-hmm. or Mr. Potato Head? <laughs> Where do you come up with these? Mr. Bean. Hmm, interesting. Can you explain? Can you elaborate? <laughs> or just gut feeling? Well, okay, One so is a human and one is a toy, so. That is true. <laughs> Mr. Potato Head's kind of like mean and aggressive. He's kind of aggressive. Yeah, and I feel like I would be intimidated by such aggression. Yeah, true. I like, I feel like to be more dominant and I feel like it could really dominate Mr. Bean. I could like yeah. rock his world. Yeah. You know what Mr. I mean? Mr. Bean would be like, this lady <laughs> is amazing. Yeah. So I feel like I, yeah, I would be intimidated actually with. <laughs> with Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. I fully understand Do you understand that? that? And I stand by your choice. Okay. I think I would also choose Mr. Bean. Yeah. Mr. Potato Head's a little like, he kind of like fires off some shots and yeah, I'm like hey I feel like he'd like whoa. hit me and then I'd be like oh I didn't like whoa, that but no. did I just be weird it'd yeah. be weird yeah so I'm gonna go with Mr. Bean Mr. Bean okay okay great well <laughs> well thanks for listening to this episode of am yes. I doing this right on voter suppression and uh we hope you learned a lot and stay woke friends and vote friends if you don't vote I will come for you <laughs> love you guys love you so much though <laughs>